Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 42, Quarterback Development and Rocket Ross. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. This week, we have a few XFL announcements to cover. In addition, later in the show, I will be joined by former DC Defenders wide receiver Rashad Ross to discuss his journey, time in the XFL, and his desire to return to the league in 2023. But first, we have those items to cover. So, let's get to it. On August 16th, the XFL announced Jordan Palmer as Director of Quarterback Development. In this role, Palmer will work with the coaching staff from each XFL team to create a thoughtful and advanced quarterback development program by combining the physical therapy, strength training, and position coaching from each team into one program. XFL quarterbacks will develop a deeper understanding of their game than ever before. Through the months of September to December, the XFL quarterbacks will work with Palmer and focus on movement efficiency and throwing mechanics. In addition, the XFL quarterbacks will be provided with an actionable plan for continuous development opportunities throughout their offseason and establish consistent remote consulting with Palmer and his team. Palmer joins the XFL with over 10 years of quarterback coaching experience. He established and currently runs QB Summit, a privately trained program for players from 10 years old through the National Football League, reaching over 350 athletes around the country. QB Summit consists of the Summit Tour, a 12-stop nationwide quarterback camp, that focuses on developing skills on the field and in the classroom, as well as Summit Digital, an online coaching platform. Prior to that, Palmer coached at Elite 11, the nation's premier quarterback competition for high schoolers. He also played seven years in the National Football League with several teams, Washington, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Chicago, and Tennessee. If you recall, when XFL board's Greg Parks joined the show in episode 38, he mentioned the XFL were looking to do something like this. Palmer seems like the ideal fit for the league. He essentially has the perfect mix of professional playing career and player development experience. He has tutored prominent quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. I believe this is a great move by the XFL, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Palmer's addition impacts the league's quarterback play. Then, on August 19th, Navigate announced its renewed partnership with the XFL. Their team has been assisting with sponsorship valuation and strategy in the lead-up to 2023's launch. Navigate's president, Jeff Nelson, addressed the partnership with the following. We know from digging into the metrics in 2020 and the strength of the XFL name are a powerful combination, especially for brands. Now, with the XFL's incredible ownership and leadership group building an even stronger league and Disney as the ultimate platform for the league to reach fans, we are thrilled to be diving back into the data to demonstrate the value and impact that will be possible for corporate partners. 
This partnership is another good indication the XFL are not completely reinventing the wheel. This is further proof the current ownership is conducting operations in a similar fashion as to XFL 2.0. In my opinion, reestablishing partnerships like this, the league is relaunching from an established foundation and now will be forming from a similar position as the USFL. Despite the time gap, 3.0 are essentially picking up where 2.0 left off in 2020. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by former DC Defenders wide receiver Rashad Ross to discuss his journey, time in the XFL, and his desire to return to the league in 2023. Welcome, Rashad. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss your professional journey and your pursuit of returning to the XFL in 2023. Uh, thanks. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Rashad, you've had a lengthy playing career. Can you take a moment and walk us through your career, beginning with your collegiate days at, was it, Boot Butt College? Butte, Butte College. Uh, College, yeah. all right. Through your most recent time with the San Diego Strike Force in the Champions Indoor League. I started off Butte College. I had a couple offers, but I didn't have grades, so I couldn't uh, go to straight to a four-year. So um, it was out of Butte College or San Francisco City. Uh, the JUCOs I was going to go to, I ended up picking Butte College because Butte had won the national championship in California the year before. And their interest was way more than San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco had interest because I'm from Vallejo, but Butte was, it seemed like they was ready to start me. As soon as I came, San Francisco, they usually just try to get out their sophomores. It's about getting out at the city. But they was also good too, though. So I ended up playing there. That was my first time, like, actually being on a team that recruit and had different players from different states. We had a lot of Florida, Texas, and Louisiana players. Even though we was in California, it was only, like, a couple California cats that actually made the team. I, I played with Aaron Rodgers' little brother my first year. Jordan Rodgers, he was the quarterback. I was just, like, the all-purpose guy. I really did all the kick returns, punt returns, and then they did, I did sweeps. And they'd throw me in at receiver. But this was the first time I ever played receiver. In high school, I played everything. I played receiver, running back. But I just focused on in high school was just getting the ball and scoring because I was faster than everybody. I knew how to juke people. I knew how to score. So I really didn't really know how to run routes or nothing until I got to Butte my sophomore year. My sophomore year, that's when I started taking receive, receiver seriously. Ended up being All-American all both years. We was one game away from the championship both years, but I ended up going to Arizona State. And it's funny because I had my first offer was uh, Ole Miss. Houston Nutt called me. It's crazy because I didn't know nothing about Houston Nutt. I just knew he sounded like he was a black coach. So when I first met him, I'm like, wow, you sound black. But he was just so country. So I met him. They had a lot of like high school five stars there. And the reason I didn't go, end up picking them because it was different. That was like my first time really out of California. So I was just like, I don't know, it's kind of different. I'd rather stay home. But then after I went on a visit there, Arizona State called. I went on a visit to Arizona State. And I guess we were supposed to be the new team, like the team that was supposed to be good in the Pac-12 that year because we had Burfield, we had Brock, and all they kept on saying was that we was going to be good the next year, and we had got the the Nike deal, the new uniforms. That's when we had the all-black out. I guess it was just us in Oregon that really just had the uniforms at that time. 
So I ended up signing there. And then right when I signed there, I always wanted to go to Cal. And my, my friend that's from the same place, his name CJ Anderson, uh, he ended up going to Cal. So I was waiting for an offer there. So Cal ended up calling me after I signed to um, Arizona State, but I already had signed, so I couldn't really do nothing. Because I would have went to Cal, but I'm glad I went to Arizona State because I met a lot of people and I had fun at Arizona State. But the biggest thing that I pick Arizona State because Coach Erickson, Dennis Erickson, said I can run track and play football. So I ended up running track. I did okay my, my junior year. I started off late because it was different from JUCO to to D1. The playbook way bigger is just different. So it was hard for me to catch on to the playbook. But when I finally caught on, I started being like the guy junior year with Brock. He started throwing me the ball, started being the guy. But it took me like five games in. And I remember going to Coach Erickson. I'm like, all right, if I don't play this fifth game, I'm going to just redshirt. But Erickson didn't want me to redshirt. He did not want me to redshirt. So he ended up throwing me in the fire. I ended up playing good. And ever since then, it just took off. But what had happened was I thought I was going to get drafted. I did real good my junior year, just coming in for the remainder of the game. But they fired Erickson, and then we got Coach Graham. So when Coach Graham came, he came and changed the whole situation. So now it wasn't about the players that Coach Erickson recruited. And I was one of Coach Erickson recruits. It was about the players he recruited. So he brought in who he brought in. And I remember in training camp, I wasn't practicing with the team because originally they said I could run track. So we had a big little commotion about me running track. They really didn't want me to run track because it's going to be a new playbook, new everything coming in, and they wanted me to focus on football. But I'm like, nah, I came in to run track too because I knew track was one of my biggest attributes. So we had a big meeting. My dad came had a big meeting and then it was like all right the only way you can run track if you wake up at five in the morning you go to all the practices so I'm double dipping so I'm waking up at five in the morning going to football practice and then I think practice was like at two o'clock then after that going to class waiting until two o'clock and going to track practice remind you football practice we run and doing drills because it's off season and that's the hardest part football we just getting in shape and I'm like so it got to a point where I went to go talk to the coach and I'm like this is taking a toll on my body like me going to practice and trying to run track like I'm gonna end up getting banged up I'm always tired so they was like all right you can come to when we just do agilities and catch balls but when we do conditioning you just got to come and watch so they switched it to that but they still wasn't like messing with me coach Eric I mean, Coach um, Graham wasn't really – he wasn't – I don't think he liked me at the time. So they had brought in another receiver that was like a top Juco receiver, and I guess he they put him in front of me. But I wasn't really worrying about that. I'm like, whatever, whatever. Whenever football come, I just show that I'm better. So I end up winning the indoors Pac-12 200 indoors, right? So when I won the indoors, their whole mentality changed about me. So now I'm the guy, oh, they was advertising, oh, we got a football player that run the indoors 200, whatever. So now Coach Graham is 
somewhat liking me, but Coach Novell was the offensive coordinator. He always liked me from the jump. So I go into camp. So spring ball came. So now spring ball hit, and when spring ball come, it's it's like around the time where it's start it's starting to like you start ranking and everything and track outdoor. So I had to do spring ball because spring ball you on the field, you actually learning the plays, and you and you actually it's spring ball getting ready. So when I was doing spring ball and trying to run track, I ended up getting hurt. I ended up pulling my I pulled something. I think it was my hammy or something. So I was out. I was out, but I was still can run a little bit where track was like, all right, just play spring ball and just focus on our relays. Like we ain't going to have you practice. Just do spring ball focus because track really liked me. So I end up getting hurt. I end up sitting out a little bit of spring ball. So when I set out a little bit of spring ball, I went from first string to third string. I don't know how, but I did, right? <laughs> Football. So we did okay in track. So that following year, training camp hit. And while we in training camp, I'm in third, I'm third string receiver, and I was the best receiver besides Jamal Miles. We had Jamal Miles. He was good. So I ended up balling out spring ball. I mean, it's, I think it's a clip on Insta, um, YouTube about it, too. If you type it in, I ball out spring ball, had like three touchdowns. I ended up getting a starting job. And after that, everything was good. But Brock ended up leaving and going to the draft. And that was my quarterback. So now we have Mike, Bertrand Beachy, and Taylor Kelly. But since the offense was like more of a run pass, Taylor Kelly ended up winning the spot, which I don't got nothing against Taylor Kelly. He can throw back shoulders, but it wasn't a good fit for me, you know? as a receiver. So that's when DJ Foster out the backfield was getting balls more than me. And I really didn't really excel like I was supposed to. Like if I had Brock, I feel like I would have got drafted easy because he would have threw the ball and he was a, he was a passing quarterback. But since we didn't have that, it changed everything. So our running backs really got most of the balls. So draft came. I did okay. I really did good. The bowl game, I had like two, four catches, 150 for three touchdowns. Because me and Taylor, at the end of the season, we start like really connecting. But I guess that wasn't good enough to get drafted, I guess. I don't so I ran 4-3-4, 40 at my pro day. I was high on a lot of people's list. Tennessee Titans called me before the fifth round. It was like, we're going to draft you fifth round. If we get a receiver, they end up getting a safety. So I went undrafted, and then what else happened? Oh, then I had, like, seven teams that wanted me to sign. But I ended up – my agent ended up was like, are we going to go with the team that really wanted to draft you? But they did it, so I went with Tennessee. So that's how I became a Titan. So, boom, went to Tennessee. At that time, we had – Justin Hunter was a second-round draft pick. We had Kenny Britt. Nate Washington was the old head that got paid. Kendall Wright was the first round or second round draft pick the year before. Who else we had? We had Marcus Mariani. I guess he was the, he had went to the Pro Bowl the year before that for a kick return. Who else? I feel like I'm missing one more person. Just know we were stacked that receiver. We were stacked. So 
when I went, it was like when I got there, Sean Jefferson was my coach. And he was just like, look, I'm going to keep it G with y'all. And he was talking to me and all the undrafted free agents. And he like, look, only one of y'all going to make it. But y'all only going to make it on practice squad. I called my um, agent. I'm like, man, I think I picked the wrong team, man. He like, nah, every team is like that. Like you undrafted, you're going to have to prove yourself. Most times undrafted, be practice squad. This is what we shooting for. So I'm like, all right, for sure. I'm just going to rock with that. So I end up balling. I'm talking about like balling, camp balling. Like I was just a whole different person balling. And I was faster than everybody. So they really liked me. Munchuck, that was a head coach. Everybody really liked me. So the OC told me first preseason game, he like, don't get discouraged. You probably going to see some of your teammates playing, but we're not going to play you. And I was just like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like we just not gonna play you. We really like you. And if you keep it up, you're gonna be our practice squad player. So I already knew, like, all right, I'm gonna make the team a practice squad player, or whatever. So the first three preseason games, no play. <laughs> when I say no play, so after the third preseason game, they cut everybody. Like most people that weren't gonna be there. So they cut everybody. So now I'm the only undrafted free agent at receiver that was there. So now it's just me, Justin Hunter. And some older cats that was on the borderline. So I knew I was going to be practice squad because they told me, they're like, all right, if you make it to the third game and you don't get cut, you're on, you're on practice squad. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I knew I was going to be on practice squad, which not knowing like what practice squad really was or nothing, just going with the flow. So I knew I was going to be on practice squad right there. I did good. I had two catches. I think like 67 some yards. I did better than Justin the last preseason game. But I, I think we played the whole game too. Yep. I did better though than Justin. But boom, that happened. So Mariani got hurt and I think he was out for the season or he was on, he was out for like half the season. So they was trying to find a returner. So I'm like, I could return, but we had D Ray. And I guess D Ray did good. He was like the running back, like the fourth running back. So they kept him and had me on practice squad. D-Ray ended up messing up. But so week 10 hit and I'm still on practice squad. They cut D-Ray and I'm thinking that I was going to get brought up. But Sean Jefferson told him that I wasn't ready. And it's like, damn, they've been, it been 10 weeks. He not ready. So we got to bring in, we got to bring in a returner. So they end up cutting me and bringing in a returner. And bringing in somebody else on practice squad. So this is my first time ever getting cut. So I don't know. I didn't know what that meant. So I ended up passing waivers and Kansas City hit me and I had a workout like two days later. So I went, ran my 40. After that, they didn't even have me do nothing else. I just ran the 40. I don't know what I run. They didn't tell me. After that, I knew I was getting a physical and they were signing me. So I was with Kansas City for the rest. At the time, at that time, we were, Kansas City was like 10 and 0. So I'm like, cool, I'm 10 and 0. We're going to make it to the playoffs. <laughs> we go to the playoffs. I remember the playoff game. We was, we was winning, um, against the Colts. It was like 31 3. And everybody was getting injured. And that's when they came back and beat us like 34 31. I think it was one of them. So I thought the following year, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm thinking the following year, I'm finna play or whatever. The following year it came. And they drafted DeAnthony Thomas. Right when they drafted DeAnthony Thomas, 
I want to say when we had to come in, I ended up getting released. So now I'm like, damn, I got released. It's my second team. I got released. I didn't really get a chance. The Redskins called me. They didn't even have me do a workout. They called me and it was like, we gonna, we gonna sign you. So right then and there, they signed me. And when they signed me, I went to training camp. I was like last on one of the last on the least in training camp, everything. So I met, that's when I met Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson always been my idol or whatever. At the time, somebody I looked up to. So I met him. So I remember we was in camp. I mean, we was in meetings. We was in camp, but we was in meetings. And we had to introduce ourselves. And I introduced where I was from. As soon as I introduced where I was from, Deshaun Jackson stood up. was like a Cali boy. Oh, for sure. Bay Area, for sure. I messed with them. Whatever. Boom. So he took me under his wing. So instead of me staying in a hotel, he had like a big house. He told me he told me to move in with him. He's like, bro, save your money, move in with me. I got you. So I'm like, cool. You feel me? So I move in with him. You feel me? He was he's just giving me like veteran all the rundowns of what I need to do to make the team and everything. So he gave me the game. So now I'm with him, preseason come. I get in the fourth quarter against um the Patriots, right? I was balling out all, all um, training camp, though. But Patriots, boom. I remember Cole McCoy threw me that 50-yarder, caught it, boom. I'm solid. And then he came to me. He's like, bro, you should have stayed up and scored. So once I caught it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make the team or whatever. I'm thinking I'm going to make the team. But I'm going to tell you everybody else on the roster. It was Santana Moss. Andre Roberts just got there. They just paid him before Deshaun. They picked up Deshaun. Deshaun, Pierre Garçon. We had Audrick Robertson. We had Hank, his name, Hankerson. And then it was me, and then they, they drafted Ryan Grant. So it's eight of us, right? So I'm like, damn, I'm in the same situation. So before the last preseason game, I bought out. But the, before the last preseason game, they called me in the office, and they was like, we're going to release you, and then we're going to bring you back on practice squad. So I'm like, all right, cool. I got released. And right when they was going to bring me back on practice squad, the Bears called me, and I remember Joy. He called me. He was like, um, "You a great returner. We finna bring you here and put you on practice squad, and you are gonna be playing in two weeks, right?" So I'm talking. I'm at Deshaun house. So I'm like, "Man, what should I do?" I called my agent. My agent was like, "Shit, they really want you. They release you to put you back on practice squad. So what you want to do?" At this time, I didn't know what to do, but Deshaun was like, "Bro, you need to go play." So I ended up signing with the Bears practice squad instead of Washington. And then in two weeks, I was playing. So I played two games. I played two games with the Bears. I did okay at kick return. You know, I was nervous or whatever. And the third week, I think, who got hurt? Alshon was hurt and Brandon Marshall got hurt. So when they both got hurt, it made me, I think they only kept five receivers. So it made me have to, go and play right then and there. But I remember my second game when they got hurt, I went in and I ran the wrong route. When I ran the wrong route, Jay Cutler to the sideline was like, don't put him in unless he know what he got. But remind you, I only been there for two weeks. So I really don't know the playbook. So when Jay Cutler said that, they brought me to the office and it was like, all right, we're going to release you and put you back on practice squad and you need to learn this playbook because we're going to need you. 
you didn't do nothing wrong. You just don't know the playbook, and we need veteran receivers, right? So I'm like, man, the odds just against me, man. So when they released me, I passed Ravers. Right when I was going to go back to the practice squad, Washington called. And Washington was like, man, you did good. We really want you. And they sold me a dream. Like, you're going to play. At this time, Washington is like, this was like week seven. I don't know what week it was. Week five. Week I don't know. But Washington was like one in, one in five or one in six. Something like that. And Washington was like, you're going to play. We're going to release Audric. When you come, da-da-da-da. So they released Audric. I was like, all right. So I signed. They released Audric. And I'm thinking I'm going to play. Never played. Right? <laughs> Never played. But I wasn't tripping because I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back to Washington. I'm going to be with Deshaun. I already know the playbook. Like, they was putting in all the stuff. You already know the playbook. You just got to come and wait your turn. So I'm like, all right, cool. Boom. Now this year three, training camp. The only thing I was watching was the draft. So I'm like, I hope they don't draft nobody. So they end up drafting Crowder and somebody else from Ohio State. Crowder was a third-round draft pick, and the other receiver, I forgot his name, was a fifth-round draft pick. So I knew that, like, booted me. It kind of, like, booted me out of the equation. So I'm like, damn. So that summer... I went with Deshaun and I trained with all his trainers or whatever, and they got me right. You know, they got me polished. So coming in, I already know the playbook and everything. They still have me behind in the rotation. I'm balling in camp. So I guess one of them was just like, all right, forget it. We're going to see what happened. I ended up scoring like five touchdowns in the preseason had, and had the most yards out of all the receivers in the preseason. So I ended up making a team. Boom, I made the team. They end up cutting one of their draft picks. So now, it still make me number six. So it still made me number six, I think, because it was the starters was Deshaun, Pierre, and Andre Roberts. And then, no, Deshaun, P Pierre, Andre, Crowder started. So the three was Deshaun, Pierre, Crowder. Andre came off the bench and... Ryan Grant come off the bench. So I was number six. So the first game, they didn't dress me. And then Deshaun got hurt. He was playing the Dolphins, I think. Was it the Dolphins? It was it the Dolphins. He was playing the Dolphins. Deshaun pulled up on one go ball. Then they activated me. They activated me. I did good. I did okay. Um the Giants know who we play. We played the Rams. I did okay in the Rams game. Then the third, then the second game I played, I ran back to kick return. Then after that, I was on. Is that your 101 yarder? Yeah. It, that was a, a Giants, I believe, right? Yeah, we played the Giants Thursday night. Cool, yeah. And then was, after I, that. Huh? Just, just for a second, was that some redemption for you? Thursday night football, returning a kick return the whole length of the field when you were passed up by the Titans when they were looking for a kick returner. Is that in some way playing in your mind like, I was your man, you kind of gave up on me too soon? I know a lot of players have a chip, and not necessarily for a bad reason, but it, is it kind of like redemption for you in a way like, hey, I could have done that for you, man. I felt I felt that about every team that passed up on me. Them the first two teams, first three teams, 
because I'm like, y'all really didn't give me a chance. And now Washington, now when Washington finally put me in the game, it only took two games. The second game, I did this. Boom. That kick return made them end up cutting Andre Roberts, and they had just paid him. So they're like, oh, we got somebody younger. He can do more, and we paying him. So they end up cutting him. They end up cutting him. So I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. Now, I, I got over the hump. So that whole season, I did okay. I was on. I was on the ballot. I was on the ballot for a kick return. But Tyler Lockett and Patterson ended up going to the Pro Bowl. So the, the following year, I mean, it was always like an uphill with me. The following year, with them, I knew I was going to make the team. I wasn't worrying about it because I already had passed the hump. Now it's like, am I going to play? So the following year, they was trying to get rid of Pierre because it was paying him $10 million and it was paying Deshaun $10 million. But nobody wanted to trade for Pierre. We end up drafting Josh Doxson first round. Once that happened, I instantly called my agent because my agent was Peter Schaefer and Scott McCollum was the GM and that's his agent too. And then Peter was like, you ain't got to worry about that. That's, that don't have nothing to do with you. That's how I knew like they was trying to trade. But they didn't, it didn't end up happening, so it bumped me. So now, again, I had a good year, 2015, now 16. It's another problem because now I'm number six again. And they're dressing five. And Doxon got a dress because he's the first-round draft pick. Right? So he was hurt all along. So I guess third game of the season, we playing the Giants. And remind you, I'm not even worried about playing because I ain't dressed the first two games. I'm just chilling. I got my headphones on. I did the workout. Like, if you don't dress, you got to do a workout in the beginning of the game. So I did my workout, whatever. Ten minutes before we had to go out, Gruden called me and said, you got to get dressed. Doxon can't go. Right? So I played that game, but I didn't do a return because I wasn't doing it on practice. So I played that game. And then I think I played like three more games after that. And then Doxon was back. So I really didn't really get to play 2016. So at the end of that, at the end of 2016, since we got the same agent, me and the GM, I went to the GM and GM was like, look, I can release you and you can go try to find somewhere better else to play. And if that don't work out, I will always bring you back. We got the same agent and I really like you. but Gruden trying to go somewhere he trying to he gonna rock with his first round because that's his first round i'm like all right cool so they released me and i went to detroit and we made it to the playoffs but i didn't get to play though but detroit really liked me so my biggest regret was leaving the redskins or or detroit so at the playoffs was happening i had to sign a waiver to come back but i never signed and I decided to go back home to San Francisco. This before they had a GM. This before they had Lynch or a coach. I just went. So I signed with them. And then the coaches and everything signed. And then they cleared house. When they got there, they cleared house. So I got released. So I never really got a chance. But when they released me, 
John Lynch brought me into the office and he was like, you are good, but you're going to be in the same situation here because we already paid our five receivers. You might can be number six, but you probably not going to dress like that. So we can release you and you can catch on somewhere else. This is right before training camp. So right when they released me, the Bills picked me up and I was in the same situation. As the year went, I'm like, all right, I'm in the same situation. Now I got to really, really focus it and um, catch on to the playbook, which for me, that was hard. Like you have four weeks, two weeks to really learn the playbook and go straight into the preseason games. So I tried a little bit, but I got it a little bit, but I didn't get no balls really. The balls I got, I caught them, but they was out of bounds. One was out of bounds. I didn't really get no balls like that. So I'm with the Bills, end up getting released. Honestly, didn't really want to be there anyways, because I just it just I just wasn't feeling it there. So I ended up getting released. And then Arizona called me. And I was on their practice squad. But they called me because BA really liked me. You know, he like all the fast, speedy guys. So I'm like, all right, I know I'm here for the rest of the season. I know next year I'm gonna be straight. BA retired. <laughs> he retired. The GM liked me, but the GM got a DUI that following year. So when he got a DUI, he wasn't in office to control anything. I forgot his name, but he wasn't in office to control anything. So Wicks came in. He's a defensive coach. I did good the first preseason game, and I ended up getting into it with the coach. And the coach was like, all you got to do is come talk to me. So I came and talked to him. And then that next morning they released me, right? Ouch. And Wilkes, yeah. yes, and Wilkes, and Wilkes' whole thing was like, uh, we gonna go young. I'm like, all right, I'm only 27 at this time. I'm like, okay, young in what way? You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't really worried about him, like whatever, I'll catch him somewhere else. So Washington called me back. I went there, they end, I did a workout, they ended up not signing me. So now this is where I'm all down and out. Like, damn, what's 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 gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? So that I I went on a couple couple um, workouts, and usually when I go on a workout, I get signed. I haven't got signed, so now I'm like telling my mind, like, is this it? What's going on? I start getting discouraged, and then the new league AAF came up. So since I went to Arizona State, I was on the Arizona team. From the jump, Newheisen liked me. Newheisen was probably my favorite coach out of every coach. From the jump, he liked me. So now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, man, I'm finna ball out. Ain't nobody on my level. I'm supposed to be in the league. And that's just that's just the kind of mentality I had. So I went into that with that, and I balled out. Best receiver in there, I'm balling out. Then when I'm balling out, everything going good. But it seemed like when everything was going good in football, when it comes to family and home, everything was going bad at that time. So my dad was dying. We found out my dad had cancer. So he was dying at that time. So now I'm trying to balance both of the two. And usually when I'm in training camp and stuff, my dad is the person that I talk to the most. Like if something happened, that's the person I talk to. Like he get me over the hump. So I end up signing with the, the shutdown. I end up signing with Carolina. I had a couple offers, but I ended up going to Carolina because I didn't think they had nobody. 
So they signed me. And then after they signed me, they signed Chris Hogan. And I looked at his deal and his deal he had, he got like 300,000. I got 20 grand for a signing bonus. He got 300,000. So I'm like, damn, where that put me? Cause when they called me, it's like, yeah, you're going to be the number three or the number four. I'm like, all right, cool. Then when Chris Hogan came, that changed. Any older and he a veteran. So I'm like, damn. And it was young. They had Curtis Samuels, DJ Moore and Jay Wright, Legarius Wright or whatever. So I'm like, damn. So I went in. I remember I was I was balling, but they really didn't really give me a chance. Like they already had their mind made up by training camp. They already had their mind made up. I had some sparks in the preseason. I scored in the preseason, the first person to score, all that. But they really just had their mind made up. But I wasn't tripping because I had something else to fall back on. I thought I was going to get picked up, but I did it. Then the XFL came. Boom. When the XFL came, I knew I was going to be like one of the top picks. I just didn't know where I was going to go. I forgot about the draft every day. <laughs> but so LA team called me to, to pick me first, but they had back-to-back picks. But I was asleep. I didn't answer the phone. So my agent kept calling. I answered. He's like, bro, answer the phone. They're trying to, they trying to draft you, but they're going to draft you they next round first because they got it first. So I answered. They draft me. I flew out to LA the next day. That little party. Uh, we went to Long Beach, me and, uh, the quarterback, Luis Perez, we had a like a little workout. I talked to the coaches, and they really liked me or whatever. So that happened. Everything was going good, and I ended up hurting my ankle in training camp. So I'm like, man, I'm going to ball out. I'm like, man, this is like the AAF. I'm going to ball out and go somewhere else. I'm going to ball out. But I'm like, bro, I got to be healthy. So I set out a couple – practices because I was really hurt and Joey I forgot his name he was the player personnel Joey was mad talking about we need you on the field and I'm like I can't we had a whole meeting I'm like I get on the field if y'all really want me but I'm hurt and I know I'm trying to play so we had a whole agreement meeting a agreement about me being a leader and all everything and two days later I got traded to D.C. with Pep. But when I got traded with Pep, they, they they came with open arms. So I enjoyed, like, everything happened for a reason. I was happy I got traded there. And then Pep really liked me. And then COVID hit. I was trying to get a workout, didn't get a workout. Went to the CFL, balled out in training camp. But the CFL is different. CFL is more, if somebody get hurt, you take their spot. So they kept me there just in case, but I never really played. I asked for my release because I'm like, I just had a kid. I don't want to be out here if I'm not going to play. So I asked for my release. They called me back. I didn't want to go back. So now I was just like, man, I'm finna. My whole goal was, all right, I need to play some type of football before the XFL come back. So I just, I saw it was two teams, the Bay Area team and San Diego team. I went to their first game. They both wanted me, but I ended up choosing to go to San Diego just to play. I was like, man, I'm going to just play so I can stay in shape. So when um, XFL come back, the coaches or anybody can't say, oh, he's been out of football for too long. We got to see what, what he can do. So that's how <laughs> the cookie crumbles. That's the story. So you've had your brief moment 
yes, you've had multiple moments. You had your brief moment where you're on the highest of highs. You're in the National Football League. You're you're in the 53-man roster. You're scoring a touchdown on Thursday night football. You clearly have remained focused and you're determined to play professionally. Yes. So, you know, you're in the highs of highs. You're playing arena football and everyone talks about all the game's different, but there's some takeaways. What has arena football done for your game? You know, I know everyone says it's a smaller field and everything's faster, but what, what has it done for you? Has it helped you perfect anything? I'll say little distance, catching the ball and going. Because it, it ain't, I'm always faster. I can shake and go around people. Now it's more, you got to catch it and go. Just little quickness stuff. Knowing that I don't have time, I got to catch and go. Because they right there. Right. So many view Pep Hamilton as a rising star and an offensive guru. And you actually had a chance, even though it was only for five games before COVID shut everything down. But what was your relationship? What was it like with Pep? I still talk to Pep to this day. Pep is a, he, he's a hard coach, but he loves you if you work hard. So Pep will wake you up at five in the morning, make sure you stretch it. Like play, Pep don't play. He don't play. None of that talking back. None of that. He's a hard coach, but once he like you, you and you on his good side, you solid with Pep. Awesome. I mean, I, I know some people can relate with hard nosed coaches. I, I wasn't a football player. I was a soccer player, played basketball and whatnot in high school, but it's just interesting because it does seem like you can respect those guys because you just, you know where the line's at, you know what they expect and you know, the grind, right? They just, yeah. it kind of brings the best out of you. I think a few months ago, you posted on your Twitter account, you'd like to return to the XFL and finish your career essentially with the league. Why the XFL yeah. and not the USFL? Well, I signed up for the USFL late. And then when I signed up, I heard that they was talking about just because of your age, they might not pick you up. So I didn't, I wasn't really confident in going into the USFL because instead of talent, they cared about age, I guess. That's what I was hearing. I really, I talked to Mazzoni. He was my offensive coordinator my first year at Arizona State. He hit me up telling me to fly out week five, but I just felt like it was too much going on at the time. And I was just like, I'm doing the indoor. I didn't think it was worth it, but XFL, I personally feel like XFL going to be better, especially fan base, how they're advertising, just everything about the XFL, I feel like it's better. I mean, I watched a couple USFL games, but it didn't like spark. It didn't spark where I wanted to, like, all right, I want to go play for this league. Because when I was watching, I wouldn't say it looked boring, but the fan base was just, like, whatever, you know? Yeah, I I know I'm an XFL podcast, so some people are just going to say I'm an XFL groupie or homer, whatever those terms they want to use, right? Uh The hub that they had in Birmingham, I know I played collegiate soccer. And we didn't uh-huh. have big crowds. It's a lot of games. But when you did have them, you kind of fed off it. I can't imagine it's really any different for somebody like you. You kind of live off, you know, the chance or whatever. I think it's probably just that environment that 
probably just you feed off it a little bit more. You know, you get your adrenaline going. I'm assuming maybe I'm putting words in your mouth and I don't mean to. But I would think it's a little bit more enticing to be in front of fans. And the only team that really had that environment would have been the Birmingham team for the USFL. We're here in the XFL. Obviously they're going back into the markets. They're doing a hybrid hub where they're going to train and stuff in Texas, but fly everybody in the games are still going to be in front of fan bases. Whoever the home team is going to have a true home field advantage. So I could see where that might be a little bit more enticing for a player or coaches or whatever. It just seems like it's going to have more of a traditional vibe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. And I feel like it's more better when, because in the hub, it wasn't a home field advantage. I feel like in football, home field really matter because of your fans behind you. If you're down, all you need is one big play and things can change. The momentum can switch by how your fan base are. So on top of it, is it those five weeks, those five games, shall I say, because there's actually more time with your camps and stuff back in 2020, but was just the overall experience just a pleasant one for the XFL? Yeah, to me it was amazing. Being in D.C. and I played for the Redskins and being back in D.C. and um, having the um, home, home crowd was really amazing. Like, they knew who I was. And just for everybody on the team, like, they cheered us on. They actually came to the game and had fun. It was loud. It kind of helped us out. I don't even think we lost the game at home. I think all our games was at home. We ended up winning. And the fans play a big part of it. Well, that beer snake is – do you remember that beer snake at all in D.C.? Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. The cups, the snake, yeah. the beer snake, the cups. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so, I mean – it was kind of cool, you know, very unique-ish. And uh, the fan base, you know, I was a season ticket holder for the Guardians, if you can kind of see up here behind me, um, mm-hmm. before I moved to Florida. But, yeah, everyone kind of had their thing, and it was kind of cool to see the different vibes that each of the fan bases were putting out there. So it, it looked cool. It looked as if the teams had existed for a while. To me, I know mm-hmm. the numbers weren't quite the National Football League numbers, but the fan bases seem to be fairly hardcore, for the lack of a better term. True. Recently, on Inside the League, their founder, Neil Stratton, had a Zoom session with a few XFL executives, Doug Whaley and Russ uh, Gigolo. And they were talking that they were going to be sending out invites to anybody that was on the active roster in the XFL in 2020. I have seen on social media that it looks like you have received your invite, your draft invitation for 2023? Oh, not yet, but I heard that I was going to receive it any day now. Okay, so it's yet to happen, because I had seen some things on social media from a couple XFL Twitter handles and whatnot claiming that you had, and I just thought I'd ask to clarify, so you have not. I, I haven't yet, but I didn't talk to people where I'm just waiting for the email. Gotcha. And I'm assuming once it comes, you're going to happily click accept, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you probably haven't heard anything about leading up to the draft, whether there's going to be any workouts, because I can't imagine how they're going to do this all off old film for some of the players. I'm, I'm assuming yeah, there's I- got to be something. Have you heard anything from any representation? 
I haven't heard nothing really. Everything is like they haven't really like told nobody about no private workouts. I'm I'm pretty sure it might be private workouts before the draft. I'm really not sure. I know that I guess they waiting until the preseason is over with. Because there's gonna be people that get cut from the NFL. Right. Training camp. So I think they're waiting for that before they decide to do anything. I know I was told that it didn't matter if I went to a showcase or not. It really didn't matter if the people that been playing already go to a showcase or not. I was told the showcase was mainly for people that didn't really get seen and need a second chance or need a chance or need to be seen. That's what I was told. Because I missed the showcase. To be fair, you have a lot of footage out there. You have established yourself in a career, regardless of where you fought for many years to get to an active roster in the NFL, but with the AAF, the XFL, uh, even recently playing indoor or arena, you have enough footage, you have established yourself enough, or yeah, I can understand why you wouldn't need to participate at a showcase, so to speak where other players that really don't have any of that, all they're relying on is their college highlight yeah. reels. That's, you know, it's, they got to prove themselves against other, you know, professionals, you know, if you will. So I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. Cause I was iffy about missing it. But when I was told I, I was told I was okay. Then I kind of, my mind kind of relaxed a little bit. Well, I'd like to think, despite your age, that you have a real good shot still. I mean, I I think you are in the tiers. I think you'd be a, more of a top-tier player. That's not me just trying to make you feel good or anything. I really think that you would be one of those players. So, r- despite age, if anything, guys like Tom Brady are proven age just is nothing but a number, right? So, yeah, a lot of people have, yeah. I mean, we've even seen recently Terrell Owens come out of retirement and playing the fan-controlled football. So, I mean, age is only a limitation, I think, if the person lets it be a limitation. Yeah, and I feel like that's what it was with the USFL. Uh, you didn't see a lot of people that was 30 or older than 30. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of people signed up. But, like, I signed up late. And when I signed up late, I was told something about age. It was more a developing league, which I understand. And I was told XFL was more... If they're going to have people with older age, it's going to be people that that's professionals. They really want professionals. See, when I when I hear development, I understand the word, right? I, I get you want to you know, keep working somebody towards an end goal. But to truly do that, how often do we see, I see, a young quarterback coming into the National Football League is typically paired up with a veteran backup, right? That mentor right. if you will mm-hmm. so when i hear development and no i'm not trying to knock the usfl but the reality is it just seems like it's one thing to have coaches but if some of those coaches came straight from the college ranks how are they truly developing a player in a professional setting True. i would i would think you need various things you need veterans. those veterans in the locker room right or on the field to kind of work with and it doesn't mean that the young player can't outperform the older player. It can happen, no doubt. But sometimes that veteran is trying to 
get the young player's head right. You know what I'm right. saying? Because it's hey, kind of like, hey, mentality, this is how you need to think. This is like how you said you had Deshaun mm-hmm. doing that for you. Brought you exactly. right into his home and just really was there and worked with you. And in the off season, you were working with his trainers and doing his regimen. It really made you alter or really grow from where you were at to a new level professional. I think the XFL, the USFL, all these leagues need that. So when I hear development, I think the XFL has the right mindset. Just get a bunch of professionals and still have those guys that, guys that come in that wins from the rough. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, what I think the XFL is going to do. I'm not sure, but I think that's more what the XFL We'll find out when the draft comes. Right. I mean, the draft and, it's speculated yeah, all, all that, day. All that, is, all that is in the air. So I know one thing that I really want to play and I'll be ready. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to it. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we did this in a two part series here. So I really do appreciate you coming on to the show to talk about your history, your past, your journey, and your ambition of coming back to the XFL. I'm looking forward to it. I really hope you do receive that invitation here shortly. And I would like to see your name called during the draft. And ultimately, I'd like to see you back on the field, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. So Thanks. Appreciate it. And thanks for having me. I can't know, wait, it, though. I'm going to be ready. If things work out and you're back on the field, perhaps we can have you come back and we can talk about how the journey's, the new 2023 journey's going and how your team's progressing. I love that. I All love right. That. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It was a real treat having Rashad on the show. When I began the show, he was at the top of my player interview list. I first reached out to him several months ago. I am glad we are finally able to make it happen. I believe it is important for the league to bring back players from 2020. Doing so helps to connect the XFL brand as well as revive what made 2020 great. After all, the fan base are invested in what they experienced from XFL 2.0 and desire a similar product for 2023. Unfortunately, we do not have any Let's Talk XFL fan line messages this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like to be heard on the show, reach out to Let's Talk XFL fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? 
Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.